everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Sheridan, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. We're so excited to have you as a guest today. Thank you. Dave Sheridan, heterosexual, Republican, Catholic. Oh, God! All together! You wear a lot of hats there. <laughs> and it ends there. No more yeah, about I... those topics. No more about those topics. My That's eye is twitching. <laughs> Well, now that that's out in the open, we can get to <laughs> back before you had those things. Uh, let's talk about your backstory. Yeah. Uh, where did you grow up? I grew up on the East Coast, mostly in the state of Delaware, um, which is a state of mind more than a state itself because <laughs> it's so small. Uh, but, you know, and then there's, you know, spent time in Pennsylvania and Philly, New Jersey, New York City. And then out to Chicago, and from Chicago, L.A. for 25 years. And now I'm still in California. I'm in Southern California now. Yeah. So um, which one of those places, like, uh, were you at when you first realized that you wanted to be an actor? Well, yeah, I would say when I first realized that it wasn't that I wanted to be an actor, but I was told that's all I could do was in kindergarten. And that was in Delaware. Um, but there were some precursors to stuff in preschool that happened. And at that time I was actually in Massachusetts, which was funny because my last interview, I finally met somebody from Falmouth, Massachusetts, where I spent my preschool and first, you know, half of kindergarten. And then I went down to Delaware. Um, and during that time was 73 and 74, uh, in 75, 73, 74, 75, when I lived in Falmouth, which is in Cape Cod, my dad worked at a Woods Hole uh, oceanography. It was a, you know, a marine biology center. And uh, it's where they were shooting Jaws. Right. Uh, and he brought me down to see Bruce the Shark. Uh, so you, that's not when I had any idea of being an actor. But it certainly was like my first sort of intro into the world of filmmaking. And in, I look back at those tapes and I think, well, that basically set the stage for knowing that it's possible, knowing that there was a, it wasn't some far off thing. I was at that age looking down at Jaws and then he took me a couple of years later to see the movie in the theater. And I was like, oh, that's, that's the thing I went and looked at, you know what I mean? So, um, it wasn't like from that moment on, I go, I'm going to be a shark, you know, <laughs> I'm going to make a horror movie. But, uh, but it definitely eased that sort of thing, which I can imagine some people in some areas of the country, especially de- depending on where they're at economically, would probably see becoming a filmmaker or becoming a, um, an actor, something more far-fetched, you know, something harder to achieve when it's really obviously not. You could do anything you want. The beauty of today's society with YouTube and cameras on your phone and that, that whole, like, uh, what was this 
who is the Andy Warhol, you know, when he said everyone's going to have their 15 minutes of fame, you know. Yeah. Uh, and now with the invention of the microwave, now it's 15 seconds of fame. So, <laughs> with 5G, with 5G, it's 15 seconds of fame. <laughs> and I think that's true, right? There's sort of this Moore's law of, yeah. you know. I do think the end of society, the end of the world, the signs of the times is that the time itself becomes quicker and quicker. <laughs> so, yeah, so um, it does seem like the time speeds up uh, or has um, sped up as we get older. Um, yeah. So what was what was the moment when you actually made a plan? Like, all right, I, I think I am going to try this out and yeah. here's what I'm going to do. Okay, so the moment I was told I have to be an actor was in kindergarten. So it was just when I arrived in Delaware. And that was in, uh, you know, back then, it, the space program, the, the landing on the moon was still very fresh. Tang was like, you would drink Tang. I don't know how old you guys are, but, uh, <laughs> you know, back in the early 70s, astronauts were the thing. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And, and, and I... Uh, Recall, like they would. I had this bleach bottle in kindergarten. They took these Clorox bleach bottles and cleaned them out, and they cut them to be like these space helmets. And I would always wear one in kindergarten <laughs> all day, all day. And <laughs> they do this thing every kindergartner does it, like draw a picture of what you want to be when you grow up. And everyone does fireman or cop or whatever, you know. And I, I did an astronaut. And my teacher, point blank, we were going through it all, and I said, I'm going to be an astronaut. I'm literally wearing this Clorox helmet. And she's like, no, no, you won't be an astronaut. You are you don't have what it takes to be an astronaut. And I was like, oh. And she goes, but if you become an actor, which you could do. You see, I played this astronaut all day. I was floating around and stuff. I, so I was a natural performer. She said, "You, I can see you being an actor. And you could play an astronaut in a movie or a television show. And I was like, ah, okay, I guess that's what I got to go do. You know, teaching me. So it was almost like I took career advice from a kindergarten teacher. <laughs> and I never looked back. You know, I started like, that's when I started doing school performances and talent shows and writing my own things. And I got a Super 8 camera. And I, I didn't shoot actual film films. I did stop motion animation, you know, in first grade and second grade, uh, doing like cartoons and stuff like that. Wow. Uh, and then record the voices on the little cassette, and then you have to hit play. Yeah. While that while the film is playing back, you got to hit play at the right time, you know. Yeah. Sync it up, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but then, so my plan uh, came at college. You know, uh, I didn't do high school theater i i was a guy um i wrestled i was two-time state champion and i was a skateboarder there was really no i wasn't a musical theater guy you know what i'm saying and i wasn't a tap dancer or any of that kind of stuff so i had no real interest in theater but then i did have to go to college uh because i didn't want to just go work and um i didn't know what to do so I, got, I went to college, and then it was like, well, what do you want to do in college? And being a film, I went to, went to school for filmmaking, you know, but part of the filmmaking naturally put me in front of the camera as well because I would write these um, 
shorts and these assignments that we'd have to do for the film classes. And I'd, I'd have other students lined up to be the actors and we would be shooting on a Saturday and no one, and they wouldn't show up. So I was like, okay, I got to put myself in front of the camera and play the character now. And, um, and that's really where it just kind of said, well, this is what I'm going to do. Cause I'm going to school for it. You know, I'm going to college for it. So, um, and while I was in that school and that was William Patterson university in New Jersey, I got an internship with Dan Rather uh, at CBS News wow. right when the Operation Desert Storm broke out. Mm-hmm. Operation Desert Storm. Like I was in the newsroom <laughs> during the raw footage of Operation Desert Storm coming in. And the best part was like that back then it was like this live set and there would be people in the back yeah. in the newsroom. They would look like they're faxing or, you know, <laughs> or they're doing work. We were That was just the interns. That was just PAs. There wasn't anybody real. In the background, that was we were that was us. You know what I mean? They would just send us look look busy back there, you know, for a half hour. Don't say anything. Uh they weren't actually people working on the news, as you know, of course. It's a show. And um I was more of a comedian and a com- you know, comedic actor. And so I had my sights set on Saturday Night Live from the day Saturday Night Live started in nineteen seventy five. Yeah. Uh you know, I remember pretending to be asleep at eleven thirty on Saturdays on the couch, I would pretend to be asleep so I could watch that show with one eye open and the other <laughs> eye pretending to be asleep. And my dad would be laughing at the jokes, but, and I couldn't laugh because he would know I was awake, you know? So, but I was just like enthralled with Saturday Night Live. And the interesting thing about that early Saturday Night Live, and I told you about, about that period is where I was making my animation, my stop motion you yeah. know, films with like play those little play school dolls. They used to have these little like, or the Weeble Wobbles and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So the show that was like kind of a, a runaway hit in the first two seasons of Saturday Night Live, you, if you remember, was Mr. Bill. Oh no! And so as a kid, <laughs> that's really what I was staying up to watch. Even though I loved everything else, it was the Mr. Bill show. I had Mr. Bill everything: Mr. Bill shirt, Mr. Bill pants. You know what I mean? The dolls. Uh, I would make them out of Play-Doh. And so, um, and obviously that was like a play on Gumby way back then, you know? So, um, so either way that was when I was working at the uh, internship at Dan Rather. And just the reason I bring up the Saturday Night Live is really, that's where I wanted to go. Mm -hmm. Now they're at NBC. CBS is not NBC. (laughs) Then the, the war broke out and there was this logo for the war, Operation Desert Storm. And it had the, it looked like Monday Night Football. It had these timpani drums and these two jets came out towards the camera and then sped off to either side. And then this sort of like Top Gun looking 3D logo came at the screen said Operation Desert Storm with a voice. It went, it went boom, 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 boom. Boom, <laughs> Operation Desert Storm. <laughs> that, that's what CBS News had with Dan Rather. And I was like, when did a war get a logo? When did the war get a logo and an opening and an action movie opening? I go, what's going on here? That is, that's that that is ironic and funny and hilarious to me. Yeah. You know, people are dying. So I said, who made that? And they go, oh, that's Steve down in graphics. So on my lunch, I was like, I'm gonna go meet this guy Steve and tell him I think that logo is fucking hilarious. And I went down and go, oh, dude, you're I, I'm an intern. I work with Dan Rather, and I see your logo. It's, fucking hilarious and he's like oh thanks you know and I 
he said, so what do you, what do you do? And I go, you want to be a journalist? I go, no, I want to go work at Silent Live. I'm a comedian. And it turns out he was best friends with this guy named Herb Sargent, who ran the weekend update since day one. He right. was the head writer and a producer on Silent Live. Because in Steve's position as a graphics artist at the news, it fell underneath the Writers Guild. So he was a part of the Writers Guild, and Herb was the secretary of the Writers Guild at the time. So he knew Herb and said, let me make a phone call. The next day, he calls me down. The next day, and he goes, I talked to Herb. He said, come in for an interview tomorrow. Wow. So literally, in one day going, hey, I think your logo is hilarious. Really, what do you want to do? I want to work at SNL. He said, let me make a phone call. <laughs> okay, you have an interview. You know what I mean? He's like, okay, I'm going down there. And now this is 91. And 90, 91, and that's when grunge, that was the grunge period. Right. So I had like the torn, dirty jeans and the you know, the, the skate shirt and the flannel, yeah. the whole, like, I look like a grunge action figure. Right. And so I'm in this interview and I, I'm totally underdressed. It's me and four other guys. And the four other guys are all from Harvard and they're all wearing these jackets and the Harvard ties. And I'm like, Oh boy, I, <laughs> now I'm, I'm screwed. Yeah. What the hell am I doing here? And I go in and I shoot the shit and I'm sure those guys shot the shit. And the only reason I got hired, he said, you look like a guy that I can give so much shit to and I can beat the shit out of and you won't quit based on the way you're dressed. You look homeless. <laughs> he said, you look homeless. You know? He goes, it looks like I can run you through the ringer and you would already be used to it. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. He goes, okay. So I literally got the job because of the sort of blue collar look in the rough hands you know what i'm yeah, saying yeah. it was like he he didn't want you know because in these positions and it was a gopher position i was like run used and ran around and there was before the internet so to get the pictures for weekend update from the ap and getty images you'd have to like literally call them order the slides go pick them up you know all on a deadline and, you know, you couldn't wait around for a, you know, even fetching cabs back then was hard. Now it's probably impossible yeah. in New York. But uh, so that was me running. You know, I'd be like, OK, I'm going to run. I'm going to run down there because it's going to be way quicker than taking a cab or a subway or any of that stuff. So who, uh, who so was it? And then from Saturday Night Live, I went to Second City and from Second City, I went to MTV. And from MTV, I met Mike Judge. And that brought me to Miramax and Miramax then signed me the scary movie. And I think the rest, you could just look at my IMDb and and then follow the demise of Dave Sheridan, which leads me here. To <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's, it's very interesting, like how, um, you know, being different uh, in the way you were dressed, like led to the opportunity, whereas everyone else that was dressed similar um you know, that didn't turn out to be the advantage that got that. So how much of um, your career do you think is luck or being in the right place at the right time or meeting the right person? And how much is hard work? I think it's a combination of both. It's 100% always luck. It is 100% timing, being at the right time, meeting the right person. But you have to be the right person that they're meeting at that right time as well. And you have to be, you have to be prepared. You know, the, if you don't have your stuff in a line, 
when that right time comes up with that right person, then it's going to be meaningless. You know what I mean? So there really it is not luck, but I would say it's any any career is any any career. I mean, being a lawyer and becoming the partner at a lawyer, you know, becoming the head of a cement company, whatever it is, is there is definitely a cross section of, you know, did have you crossed your T's and dotted your I's in preparation for that crossroad with your opportunity, you know, so. Um, did you ever go back to your kindergarten teacher that put you on this path? No, I did not because she, I think she, by the time I would, I w certainly would if it, it, I didn't really hit it. You know, all this other stuff with Saturday Night Live, it wasn't until I had my show on MTV and Buzzkill where I was like, okay, now I'm, I've made it. I have my own show that I created and directing and producing, et cetera, et cetera. By that point, I'm pretty sure she was, she uh, sadly probably passed away because I think she was close to 70. She was an older teacher. It wasn't one of these, uh, yeah. she wasn't like a 22 year old kindergarten teacher. You know, now they have the old, those old teachers don't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever get to play the astronaut? I did. Thank you for asking. And it's a great film. If anyone uh, out there is into checking this film out, I'm really actually proud of this film. It's called White Space. And we shot it in 2008, but I think it took like five years to be put out because the director who works with, um, uh, hold on. hey, Rocco, who does those Batman movies? Uh, oh, man. Who does the Batman movies in the, the, the war movies? Christopher Nolan. Yeah, Christopher Nolan. Uh -huh. the, the, I, met a, I met a guy who does the CG effects for Christopher Nolan, like did all the Inception effects. And I met him on another film, and he basically said, hey, I'm going to do this space movie. And I go, and that was, was one of my bucket lists. You know, as soon as I heard that, sure. I'm like, you know, oh, my God, hey, I got to do it. I got to do it. This is why I got in the business. got to do it. And he's like, okay, there's no money. But So he basically, out of his own pocket, made this awesome out, outer space adventure movie. It's like the shining set in outer space, you know, okay. and uh, of, a, of a spaceship that's been set adrift out in too far out in space and the crew going crazy, that kind of cabin fever and what happens. Right. And there's a little bit more to it than that. Cause it's really like Moby Dick set in space, you know, is really what it is meets the shining. Yeah. So, um, I don't want to give away too much, but he shot it for 500 grand, but that, but the elbow equity, and that's what took five years was his company that does all the visual effects for these Christopher Nolan and a lot of other big Sony movies. They basically, in between jobs, kept working on the film, working on the film. So you know how most of these movies, these big budget, big budget movies are 98% CG. You know right. what I mean? So this was a film where I was strung up in the astronaut, you know, floating in space in the, with the, the, the astronaut walk with a green screen. And then they make it look like you're in space. But I do remember being strung up there where, you know, you're supposed to look like you're in zero gravity. But let me tell you something. You're not in zero gravity. You're, you're hung by a harness that's squeezing <laughs> your gonads to the size of Neptune. You know what I mean? And like, uh, <laughs> my lunar balls, I have lunar balls, you know, and they were not zero gravity. <laughs> so all the weight goes right there, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but you have to, you have to pretend you're, you're floating in space. Right, and really, yeah. Your nuts are getting squeezed to death, you know? So, um, 
but I do remember sitting there during setup going like, wow, I fucking did it. Yeah. Did it. She was right. And that was, <laughs> it, it did tear me up a little bit. You know what I mean? Inside the thing is like, yeah. that was a lot of, a lot of work to be the dunce told that he couldn't do anything. You know, he couldn't be an astronaut because that's really, you know, a lot of people hear what she said and goes, that's terrible. And it, it probably was, but maybe, you know, back then it was a little, maybe it was better that people were told the cold, honest truth. Yeah. You know, you know, instead of like participation trophies right, and right. everyone is equal, you know. So, again, let's not get into that. But <laughs> it's like um, you have to be set on your path. And, you know, if you don't know who you are, then that's not a good thing. So, yeah. Well, and that brings you to like uh, now you're in this movie, The Christmas Tapes. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, that's pretty fascinating because it's definitely a different spin on uh, Christmas, uh, the gift that keeps on killing. So, uh, you know, where where was this movie shot and how did you get involved in it? Okay, to start out with the Christmas tapes, to let you know, again, this interesting manifestation of the, at least my life, this sort of world according to Garth and Dave kind of a thing, of Forrest Gump aspect. Last year around this time, um, there was a, a convention in Los Angeles called Season Screamings. And I had an open weekend and I was looking to go inside. You know, you, you I do these, if in just out, out there, if people are listening, look up these horror conventions or comic cons. And um, I love going out and meeting, you know, the people that have watched my films and talking and meeting people all over the country. It's, it's actually a joy. Um, but it's also a job at the same time because I'm there all day and with a Sharpie. So it's like that. <laughs> but um, I, I called this people putting season screenings together and they're like, oh, well, unfortunately, we're only having people that have um, horror Christmas movies. Right. And, I, and you don't have any on your resume. And I was like, oh, OK. Next thing you know, like three months later, I get a call from this director, Rob Living. He's like, I'm putting this horror Christmas movie together, and I was like, <laughs> perfect, I'm in, and, you know, I, I don't even, like, I don't know if I even, like, vetted him out, or the film, or anything, I was just like, I was told I need a horror Christmas movie on my resume to sign at Christmas convention, so I'm like, <laughs> there it is, and, um, yeah, and, and so, yeah, we shot it in Sacramento, where the filmmakers, Rob Livings, and his partner, Randy, uh, live, and it's a found footage movie. So it's done, again, the theme for all of my films in the post-studio era is low budget. You know what I mean? They have to be done at a budget because if you're shooting anything where you're spending too much money, you're really wasting money because the margins of profit in this business now are so yeah. slim with streaming, just paying you pennies per view and stuff like that. So... It's important for any filmmakers out there to know. Um, try to try to keep your films under fifty grand. It sound that sounds impossible, but it is possible. But you just have to have the right concept with, you know, less moving parts, not that many actors, not that many locations. You to figure out. And Rob actually had a great idea because he did the whole found footage aspect, the whole Blair Witch and the yeah. um, sort of paranormal activity. Thing of you being able to utilize handy cams and cell phones <clears throat> with this anthology 
And so I love the concept <clears throat> and it's every, each one of them is totally improvised, which I have a strong foot in coming from second city in Chicago and stuff. And, uh, really, uh, you know, I pretty much improvise in every film I'm in. Uh, I told you I was a dunce. I do have dyslexia and like, uh, Asperger's and you could tell I talk a lot. And so, um, <laughs> I, I'm, I, my reading level is not very good, and, it, and also my, to memorize lines is hard for me. So I always talk to the directors, hey, I'm going to make this my own. That's my little phrase for, I can't memorize lines, and I'm not a good reader. I'm going to make this my own. And I just ask them, what do I need to say? What's important? you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but with this film, it was all improvised. There was no script. We did have beats we had to hit. You know what I mean? Right. So um, I, did, I just watched it the other day. Have you guys gotten a chance to see it? Ah, uh, we have not yet. No. Haven't. No. Oh, did they send you a link? We we have not gotten that yet, but um, it's to be forthcoming, and we're excited to see it. Well, yeah, you'll 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 be able to watch it before you talk to Vernon now, so that'll be great, and you could tell him how awesome I am. In it. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, I look. I'm sure we. I will. I had a ball with it. It's really a fun movie. It's basically a series of shorts. Um. A short, you know, these short tapes, these video VHS tapes uh, of found footage that all have a common theme that they're all around the holidays. Um, and this family's being sort of like tied up and forced to watch these tapes <laughs> instead of watching the standard It's a Wonderful Life or A Christmas Carol or The Christmas Story or Elf or something. So they're gathering around to watch their annual christmas movie and then uh, a home intruder comes in and ties them up and forces them to watch these christmas tapes instead you know what I mean? i'm gonna make your christmas better it's you know breaking the doldrums kind of a thing so but really he's just psychopathic and and in doing so he's making his own christmas tape you know like that's sort of the, the thing is he's videotaping himself tying up these people torturing them to watch these other horror movies at christmas time so is Vernon Santa Claus? Um, just like from looking at the cover, he plays he plays a version of Santa Claus. Let's just say, yeah. <laughs> okay. He's not. He's he's definitely not the real Santa Claus. You know. Yes. There's yes, not definitely. a story that. Yeah, he's not pretending to be the real one or anything, but he's definitely a a, a guy in a Santa suit that probably is already on the, his own naughty list. Let's just say. So. <laughs> Were you? Were so you? What was it like working with Vernon? Um, are, do you? Are, you're both I, funny. You play well yeah. off each other. We do actually. We do. He's super smart. There's two things about Vernon that work that are not what you expect out of Australian. He's smart and he's a gentleman. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know those existed in Australia. Uh, I mean, it's not like he's from Kentucky, where we got it in speeds, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, uh, so, that's the one thing I know about Kentucky from shooting the movie there. They're always like, well, we're going to Miami. Oh, you're going to, no, Miami, Kentucky. What? Like, yeah, we're going to Paris. Wow, you're going to Paris? No, Paris, Kentucky. I go, wait, Kentucky just named all these other cities so you never have to leave Kentucky. We'll be out in Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Kentucky. What? <laughs> I go, you know there's other states and cities, right? No, 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 we did not. United States of Kentucky. United Kentucky of states. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, Vernon's great, man. He's uh, he's super fun, 
such a nice guy, sweet. You wouldn't think that either, because, you know, obviously I knew him first and foremost from his breakout character in, you know, Road Warrior. Right. And then after that, you know, he he's really always played a lot of heavies, a lot of bad guys, and he's absolutely the opposite, which is uh, was great to discover, but I probably should have known that because myself and my roles that I do, and I play dumb guys, jerks and stuff and i'm not that at all you know so people meet me going like wow you're actually really smart you know (laughs) not really but yeah you know i don't know which maybe i'm just acting smart and i'm finally relieved i can play myself when i play doofy (sighs) (laughs) i can be myself now (laughs) tired of acting like i'm normal (laughs) so what's your um favorite line from the movie which one? What was, what Christmas huh? Yes. What was the funniest line? Mm, from the Christmas tapes. Um, it's ironic. I'm, there is one funnier line, but that would be a spoiler alert. Okay. Um, so I think the my funniest line is that um, it's it's interesting because there's it's the way this movie is. It's there are lines, but on their own, they, you know, uh, I think there's one funny bit that cracked me up the other day when I watched it, which was, I'm Paranormal Perry. And then they said, and then I said, how you can you get a hold of me? Because I actually, they, they call this guy Mitch, and Mitch hires me, and I show up to these people's house to be a ghost, to help them with these possible ghosts that they might be experiencing. And I'm the guy that's going to help track them down, but they actually called a more legitimate guy, but he's on vacation at Christmas time. So <laughs> he sort of like, he, he sold off the business to me. You know what I mean? Like when yeah. he's gone, he, I sort of like, uh, he's, what do they call that? You know what I'm saying? Like he's, he, I was like his, uh, second Selling. guy. That he, yeah, exactly. So I'm paranormal Perry. And, and I go, you can go on my Instagram. It's scary. Perry too. <laughs> and they're like, Scary Perry, I think and I go, well, Scary Perry 1 wasn't available, and Paranormal Perry was already taken as well. You know what I mean? So, like, it's sort of like, I'm, but I'm still Paranormal Perry, but there is another Paranormal Perry, but he has nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? But yeah. I couldn't get the Instagram handle. So I'm Scary Perry underscore 2. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's pretty fun. So. Yeah, that, it sounds like a really fun movie to uh, make. Um and so um, it comes out December 16th. Is this going to be on streaming? Yeah, it, it should be. And I think, the, and I don't think they told me exactly what streaming it will be on, um, but it, it will be available on Blu-ray as well around that time. Um, and I think for rental on, say, Amazon or Apple TV, it'll be for rental. And then on streaming, um, I think the best, I think there's a way you can Google that or you can go to like IMDb to the film, the Christmas tapes. And I think on IMDb, there's now a little like click down to tell you all the various ways you can watch this movie. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, there's definitely something going to be streaming on one of those. And I, maybe it's Amazon. I think it is Amazon prime that it'll be streaming. Yeah. So the funny, my, my, in short, just to let you know, sort of like if, if people are like, oh, wonder what this is about for my little section is I'm kind of like 
the Jim Carrey from The Cable Guy meets John Candy from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles and a What About Bob with Bill Murray. I'm the last guy you would have actually hired to come into your house, you know, <laughs> especially to hunt ghosts. And it's questionable whether I even know what I'm doing, you know. <laughs> and then there's a, you know, then it gets, it spins a little dark of, they'd rather have the ghost in there than me. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's almost like, they thought they were going to try to get rid of these ghosts, but really now we can't even get rid of Harry. You know what I mean? <laughs> At Christmas time, and, you know, because I'm just a clinger and I'm lonely. You know, so it's sort of like uh, you've got your now. Not only do you have ghosts, but you have a terrible ghost hunter that's annoying and eating your cookies. And well, you do have now your horror um, Christmas movie on your resume. So will we be seeing you touring, um, you know, to some of these events um, so the fans yeah, can see sure. you? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, in fact, the next time I'm in Kentucky will be Louisville, December 17th. Um, I'll be doing a screening of another one of my movies called Victor Crowley. Uh, and people can come out and meet me there on December 17th in Louisville, Kentucky, or Louisville, Louisville, I guess they call it. And, uh, and, you know, like I mentioned, I'll be shooting that movie in Owensboro, Kentucky, and that's called New Fear's Eve. So, hey, so I'm going from Christmas to New Year's Eve, so now I'm going to have my New Year's Eve holiday horror movie. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, just, I'm just knocking them down. I'm you know, Valentine's will have to then, be next, I imagine. Yeah, then St. Patrick's Day, then Easter, then Easter 2, then yeah. Arbor Day. <laughs> Don't go back into the woods. Arbor Day. <laughs> So uh, when you're filming this movie in Owensboro, can you tell us any uh, anything about that? Um, well, first first and foremost, anyone out there listening, um, this one is a public movie that we're actually raising funds publicly on a crowdfunding uh, site called Indiegogo. So if you go to Indiegogo New Fears Eve, uh, you'll find the film, and there's ways to pre-purchase the Blu-ray to help support the film. Uh, and the best thing about these limited edition, first edition Blu-rays is they're not the Blu-rays that will be released when the movie's released by the uh, distributor. They're going to have their own unique artwork. They're probably going to be an extended cut. There'll be deleted scenes that, that when you give it to the distributor, they change everything. They change the artwork. They change the way the credits are. Right. And these Blu-rays are also signed by the cast. Myself, Felissa Rose, Elsie Holt, uh, there's a lot of actors involved in this film, which again, you can go check and there's everything from that to, to don't, you know, to be, a, added on as a producer, to act in a scene for a day. So there's, it's, I love a lot of other actors are sort of like skittish about getting on these Indiegogo things, but I really feel it's that sort of perfect Trinity of a filmmaker. And keep in mind, I went to film school and I know how difficult it is to get your film made. And yeah. when I saw that this was invented, it's a way for a filmmaker to get the funds to make his movie, to make his dream. And many times you're helping, you know, it's almost like a fantasy dream filmmaking type of thing. And it's also a way for the fans to get involved in any way as ever they want. To, you know, oh, I want to be a producer on it. I want to act in it. And, and then it's a way for that filmmaker to raise funds to be able to afford 
to pay the professional actors like myself to come on and make the film a little bit more legitimate to sort of help guarantee it's going to be seen and get distributed. So it's a win-win-win for all the different, you know, trifectas, the fan, the talent, the actors, and the filmmaker. So I, I think it's a great way to bypass the sort of bottleneck of the bank system and the agencies and the studios that decide what they want to make. You know, this is a way for the public to really decide if it's worthy of being made, you know? So. Cool. Really fascinating um, to have people involved in, in helping to make something like they're already invested in it. So, um, pretty cool, I think. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, when are you get when me, are you going to start shooting that movie? Oh, the last week in January. It would be like I think January twenty seventh, twenty eighth, twenty ninth is the 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 days that I'm going to be working on it, and then they'll they'll continue shooting because I'm not in. Okay. The entire yeah. movie. I have a section, and I get, I'm like, oh, ah, there's a killer, so I can't. I don't want to give everything away. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, uh, will any local um, actors be involved? Like, are there any scenes yes. that just people can? Uh, a- be absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Half the cast already is local actors that the director auditioned and casted out of you know the owensboro area um and i i've met a couple before in the past and they're they're you know they're great kids and you know because these horror movies always have younger the younger the younger generation has to be in it yeah <laughs> it's like uh you know you need that final there's the this is one of those final girl movies where there's a 22 year old you know running around an office with the uh it's the plague doctor i don't know if you know ever seen these plague doctors that's that's the other thing that drew me to it was I've always seen these people cosplaying a plague doctor at these conventions. And I thought that outfit was so cool. I go, how is that not an iconic killer in a movie? And then when these guys brought this to me and I saw they had the plague doctor, I'm like, I'm in. You know, because I've always <laughs> wanted to make a movie with the plague doctor. So. <laughs> and I think that you said it was going to be filmed at Johnny Depp's grandmother's house, at least some of it. One, yeah, one scene, one scene. Yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool for Kentucky listeners out there. For sure, yeah. I don't, and there, there's just scenes, there's scenes in a hospital, there's scenes in a business office, parking lot garage. So I don't know if Johnny Depp owns all that stuff too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he could be the Sandra Bullock, like in Austin, she owns yeah. like, everything now. You know? yeah. so, so what do you got going on after that? I mean, any, uh, any other stuff? Nothing. The Super Bowl. I'll watch the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you know. I'm trying. I, you know what? I'm. I've been working on a film myself. Um, I will. I could. I, I. You know. I'll say what it is. It's called Canceled Movie. Okay. And it's like my version of Scary Movie with everything that can't be said anymore. Every taboo type of topic that. <laughs> they'll cancel you to talk about and make fun of and i'm like okay we're gonna go and blow that stuff out of the water you know what i mean and just and it's literally called canceled movie okay. and you know i'll have joe rogan and dave Chappelle and uh you know <laughs> kevin spacey yeah, yeah. donald trump and um whoever's whoever has been told to put some duct tape on their mouth well we're going to take the duct tape off and put it in this movie not the so, duct tape okay he's going to be in this one i imagine who? 
Kanye West or oh yeah, I guess absolutely great one. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, Kanye. You know, I'm, uh, it's just gonna be, you know, imagine. Just, and then there's that image of that floating barrel and it's going over the, the, the waterfall. <laughs> well, it's uh, the Christmas tape. We or tapes. We encourage everyone to. Uh, check that out come December 16th and um, then we're looking really forward to hearing more about the Owensboro movie when that opens for everyone so uh, it's been great fun having you as a guest today um, Dave and we hope you'll come back as you go through your horror New Year's Eve and all of those holidays um, yeah yeah and your cancel uh, movie you know, once you get all that, we'd love to talk with you again. And Thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking on your thing, and hopefully I didn't take up too much of your own time, you know. I mean, uh, no, no, I we know you. Spout, we, we know you have uh, leaf blowing to do, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Party, so uh... I know. I keep asking him, like, what move we're going to do. I'm, you know, I told you, I big screen that I'm blowing up and stuff like that. And I'm like, uh, what, what movie do you want? What movie do you want? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. So it's like I'm <laughs> tossing movies out. Uh, I don't know what movies the other, the, the other boys want to watch, you know? So, um, hopefully they'll tell me soon because they got to kind of get it yeah. on the computer and make yeah. sure it plays. So. Probably something with girls in it, I would imagine. You, know. you never know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well. They've seen everything is the problem. These kids have seen everything. Yeah. So there's like nothing new on this. Right. Episode. But thank you guys. Have a great rest of the Saturday. And thank you to your audience listening. And I hope I was engaging and gave you guys some in- insight to my life. Definitely. So. Thank you again for being on. We appreciate it. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Kat at I write plays at outlook.com or you can write to me at backstory sessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.